0: Welcome to Health System CIO's interview with Ray Sharp, CIO at Catherine Shaw Bethea Hospital. I'm Kate Gamble, Managing Editor and Director of Social Media. In this podcast, Sharp talks about the challenges and benefits of being a community healthcare organization, how having boots on the ground in IT can improve workflow and efficiency while building relationships, what he learned during his time outside of healthcare, and why he came back, and the advice he offers to new CIOs. Do you want to just start by um, telling me a bit about the organization, about Catherine Shaw?
1: Yeah, you know Catherine Shaw Bethea Hospital um, is a 127-years-old community hospital um, in Dixon, Illinois. We're about 100 miles straight west of Chicago, um, probably about 45 miles from the Iowa border. So, you know, rural community, um, our service area is about 50,000 patients in mainly Lee and Oval counties of Illinois. You know, we're, we're definitely a, a smaller 80 bed facility. We have med surge, ICU, OB, behavioral health, inpatient and outpatient. We have uh, several clinics in Dixon and in the small towns um, around us. And, you know, so we try to you know maintain that service area and. and with OB uh, being a problem in some service areas, we had a couple of hospitals closed south of us, and uh, a little bit of an OB desert. So people are driving like an hour to get to OB services, and uh, you know. So we think that's very important for us to maintain that service in our area for sure.
0: Yeah, that's something that we've seen come across in some of the headlines. That that that's just really, really scary thing.
1: It is for sure.
0: So are you? completely independent or do you have like some affiliations
1: no we're a completely independent hospital Um, you know our board's been uh, steadfast in trying to remain independent so we we do our best to make sure that we're trying to survive another 127 years as an independent hospital we just feel that you know a lot of times when you lose that independence you lose community control and also um, usually um, some of the jobs leave the community you know, we, our, our goal is to stay independent, and, and we continue to strive towards that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't have to tell you there aren't too many. So,
1: you know, we are, um, there's like four of us kind of in our area, and uh, there's kind of a band from Western Illinois towards the east, probably to like the rochelle to area, where between Rockford and the Quad Cities, Rockford's like 50 minutes to an hour away from us, Quad Cities an hour away from us. So in this band, there's definitely some three or four independent hospitals that are not 25 bed or less, right? So critical access hospitals have done very well in the recent time frame, but uh, you know the ones that like us, you know that are 80 beds or you know 100 bed hospitals or or so. Three of us have been able to stay independent in that section of the state, and I think just having that geographic isolation a little bit, being an hour away from the from the larger tertiary hospitals has allowed us to do that in some regards.
0: Yeah. And are you in touch with them sometimes? Do you know each other pretty well by this time?
1: Yeah. So, you know, the independent hospitals, we try to get together and, you know, at times do things as a partner on things. Other times the tertiary hospitals are our partners. You know, all the tertiary hospitals around us usually would like to buy us and probably call on a quarterly basis to get us to affiliate. But, uh, you know, we have been uh, been able to remain independent hopefully we will be able to continue that
0: yeah and and you're talking about some of the, the benefits and i would imagine that really having less of that red tape really can be pretty beneficial
1: yeah we're a very nimble organ- organization to right? make decisions one of the things you know from a cio perspective is i get to do more than just be a cio um, and just do it so you know, as a vice president in a, in a small organization, you know I have other departments like lab, radiology, dietary, housekeeping, plant operations, materials management, PT, OT, speech. You know, all those uh, areas report up to me and it, the diversity of my job is, is great and, you know, it's very enjoyable.
0: Okay. So in terms of um, EHR, what do you have in place
1: We have Cerner um, Millennium, the community works version. So Mm -hmm. where we share, it's a multi-tenant implementation that's hosted at Cerner. We went live with that in uh, September of 2019. So we've been up over four years. And um, we have that, you know, not only our inpatient, but ambulatory patient accounting, you know, it's it's the full suite of the Cerner Millennium you know, we still have other third-party products for like packs and cardiology packs and, and things like that, but Cerner is definitely our EHR.
0: Yeah. Okay. And what about the primary care clinics and the, the physician groups?
1: Yeah, all Cerner. So it's, a, it's one system. You know, we really think from a med reconciliation standpoint and those types of things, it's, you know, it's important to have that integrated system throughout your clinics and hospital, just that it's one record, right? And we don't have to be passing information back and forth to for those records, it's just one record. Meta reconciliation is much easier. All the notes are there from physician visits or from inpatient, and, um, you get the holistic view.
0: Okay, so what what do you consider really some of your core objectives right now?
1: Really, we've been focusing on that digital front door and uh, getting more digitally engaged with our patients. Cerner's got a, a good patient portal. Um, but, uh, you know, we're adding things to that. So a couple of the projects the past year was we did a healthy intent and uh, CERN or EDW, which is Enterprise Data Warehouse. But the healthy intent is kind of population health practices are part of it and allows us to manage our population health better. Then this past year, we installed Artera for bi-directional communication. And then also Kairos, which is a provider search and online scheduling. So those are, you know, those are things that now with health intent, we can run a list and say, these are all the patients that are overdue for mammography mammograms. We can then use Artera to communicate, take that list, pass it to Artera, run a text campaign for mammograms and do some of that. So, you know, doing more outreach. And one of the things I think with the pandemic, people got out of the habit of doing their ordinary visits and screening visits and people didn't want to go to, the, to doctor because everybody had to wear a mask and they felt everybody there had COVID or that type of thing. They just didn't want to go unless they absolutely had to. What happened is yeah. they waited till they got really sick and then they went to the ER, you know, and skipped the physician office completely. So yeah. we're really trying to reestablish those habits annual wellness visits and the screenings like mammography and colonoscopy and uh, logo CT and things like that, lung screening, stuff like that, so that mm-hmm. we can catch things early and give the patients a better chance of survival.
0: Yeah. And that's, that really speaks toward patient satisfaction too, really being able to have maybe an easier channel to do these things, schedule appointments, which we know has been kind of a sticking point for a while.
1: Yeah, definitely is. And you know, that bi-directional communication, you know, when text a patient about their visit, they can confirm or cancel, you know, um, so it's reduced our no-shows they can also ask a question and, and we can respond. And, you know, I just think that making that digital connection helps us connect with those patients and get them into further visits.
0: Okay. And what about on the staff side, as far as like digital tools and what are you doing there?
1: Yeah. You know, I think, you know, Cerner. we've been trying, you know, we implemented 2019. So you go through that stabilization period and then yeah. you start to work on optimizing, right. Each area and, uh, We've been doing a lot of work in our uh, revenue cycle area. We probably didn't do a great job in it during implementation, so we've, we've had to do a little bit of an uplift in that area on the revenue cycle side to, to get that to where it needs to be, but then to continue to, you know, the good thing about Community Works is we get quarterly updates, and uh, and they, they update it no matter what. So you, you stay current uh, with what's current version in Community Works. And so we get new stuff from Cerner, and, and get that implemented. And you know, I think that's been the, the main thing staff-wise is just kind of optimizing what we have and, and staying current. You know I used to work at a hospital that we were client-hosted and you, sometimes you get behind on model and versions and it's really hard to make that upgrade where the community works for staying right on model.
0: Yeah, that definitely seems to be a plus. I mean, it gets to be a bigger and bigger lift the longer you wait to do those updates.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay, so you went live in September of nineteen, correct? So you had some time to do some optimization, stabilization before before everything. Uh, everything stopped.
1: Yeah, yeah, we went live, so we had basically stabilization. We got I'd say we got pretty well stabilized, you know, by yeah. March twenty. So it's like six months of stabilization, and then COVID hit, and so I, you know, I think our optimization didn't happen as fluently as we would have thought, right? I think for the next two and a half years, uh, we weren't doing a lot of optimizing. We were just trying to deal with the pandemic. So now we're back in that optimization mode. We're trying to make sure we're best practices across clinics and, and stuff of that nature, and that we're making sure that we're doing things uh, optimally.
0: Yeah, you can have every intention of, of doing optimization, but then you have to find ways to uh, get people tested and, and do everything right. that had to be done, so
1: yeah, we were one of the first hospitals in the nation to do drive through testing, drive through CoVID testing. and uh, you know, and that again, being a nimble organization, being a small organization, we were able to get that set up. Our CNO did a great job of of saying this is what we should do and and then we, we got it set up and and manned and, and we did we did drive- through testing right, you know really early in the in the party.
0: yeah, that is really impressive. I know that that was obviously a big lift for a lot of organizations, but that's where being nimble did probably give you an edge.
1: Yeah, and we, we do a drive-through flu clinic every, uh, oh, every
0: October
1: for flu shots, so we kind of had a process already, right? And uh, instead of giving the flu vaccine, we we're administering COVID tests, so I think it really helped us uh, having that drive-through flu clinic process already set up for many years, and we just kind of adapted it to the, the COVID testing.
0: Okay. Now, what about in terms of security? I don't imagine you have a CISO, so how does that? How does
1: yeah, that work? I have a CISO, and you know, again, uh, the diversity of work, right? So when we talk about our IT staff, you know, mm-hmm. different people have different uh, parts of that security responsibility, and uh, my job and the leadership of IT's job is, you know, we need to identify the the risks for the organization and um, identify what it would cost and what we would do to mitigate that risk and then bring that to the executive leadership team and the board and, and let them make the decision whether we can afford to mitigate that risk or we can afford to live with that risk. Uh, you know, we've been doing pretty well. We use a lot of Microsoft, we're Microsoft 365 shops, So we use Microsoft Defender, ATA, which is Advanced Threat Analytics and ATP, which is Advanced Threat Protection, Microsoft side. We also use uh, CrowdStrike, and uh, we have that up and implemented. So we use no before for our uh, phishing education and testing, where we send a couple messages each month to every employee and, and try to you know make sure that we're educating them on phishing tactics and, and what that might look like. And we identify people that seem to quick most of the time, and we need to you know go one-on-one with that education with that person. So that's some of the things that we've done on the cybersecurity side work you know, some of the risks tend to be with our partners at uh, medical systems that have to go through FDA approval. They have a hard time staying current with um, the operating system, databases, and stuff like that because it, because of, you know, having to go through FDA approval all the time. And, you know, so sometimes they might not have an offering to where you can get to the most current OS level of Microsoft. Yeah. You know, so... You know, those are those are sometimes a risk for us. Also, you know, so we're trying to work with those vendors all the time to get the most current version in and making sure that we're having it patched and, and mitigating those risks.
0: Yeah, and that's that can be really frustrating, I imagine, because it's kind of been going back and forth for a while. And you know, with the pointing the fingers, and meanwhile, just need a solution to this.
1: Right. Yeah, and you know, I understand they got to get FDA approval, but probably need to do that more often, I guess.
0: Yeah. It does seem though that there are more resources now for rural organizations when it comes to cyber and I know that there's some efforts there to at least kind of publicize that a little bit more because otherwise I imagine that maybe you don't even know where to start as far as just trying to find resources for that.
1: Yeah you know we've we've been fortunate to be involved in some of the uh, AHA stuff out of the federal government as far as some of their cyber security stuff and then the the 405D uh, health industry, cybersecurity practices, managing threats and protection of patients and stuff. And so, you know, um, we're trying to stay involved with those organizations to help us um, and, and try to use those resources. We do appreciate the fact that, you know, AHA has been really good about sending stuff out about security alerts and, and cyber alerts and stuff like that, that really help us make sure that we, we've been alerted of that patch. And uh, like I said, that 405D has some good information and and uh I think is helping us with some of our education of our staff and, and making sure that we're staying current on some of the threats. Yeah.
0: Now as far as some of the other their challenges of um, being in a rural area, I know that there are several, but you know, I just wanted to get your thoughts on when it comes to things like vendor partnerships. Is that something that has been a challenge or what's been your approach there?
1: Yeah, I think some of the things like when hospitals our size uh, go out for bid on certain projects. You know, certain vendors won't won't bid on a hospital our size. They only bid on the larger organizations. And even until Cerner had the Community Works model, yeah, you, you could do a client, you could host it yourself, but that takes a lot more resources, not only from the staff wise, but from the financial wise also. And, and so we're fortunate that Cerner offers that Community Works module for the multi tenant and, you know, it reduces our costs some. And, and uh, like I guess that helps us stay current. You know, so, you know, you got to find the vendors that are that are looking to operate in this space and, uh, and partner with them. I think from a staff perspective also, attracting quality staff, you know, you still got to have uh, boots on the ground in IT, right? You got to go out and you got to get to the clinics, you got to get to the floors, you got to get to the users. You can't resolve everything remotely. And, uh, you know, and as when COVID, you know, and the, the whole uh, remote work trend happened, it was hard to keep staff and they can kind of work anywhere in the nation from their home. So, you know, we've had a little bit of that. So, you know, we can be flexible and some work can be done remote. You know, for the most part we want local employees that, you know, when needed can be on the ground at the hospital.
0: And do you do um, a certain amount of rounding, whether it's to to the different clinics or even within the uh, hospital?
1: Yeah. You know, um, COVID shuts down a little bit on rounding, but, uh, our goal is for an analyst, a, a clinical analyst, and a technician to round together, to go to a clinic together, right, and round. And, and uh, you know, usually you find a, you know, a lot more problems than than they've reported to you, and a lot of times you can resolve them right there. So, uh, you know, rounding is a big part of what we do, not only from a leadership perspective, but from an IT perspective, from a plant and operations perspective, from a housekeeping perspective. We know that that rounding is really important to get to every one of those clinics and be face-to-face with those users and develop those relationships. It just helps you succeed in so many ways. They're more apt to tell you exactly what's going on when you develop that relationship with them. You know, a lot of times you got to lay eyes on it. There's a lean manufacturing term called uh, go to the Gimba, which it means go to where the work's done. And, uh, you know, that's a big, big thing. You know, I always say that down our... IT department. we got to make sure we're we're going to it again, go to where the work's done. And when you lay eyes on it, you usually resolve it faster and uh, much with a better solution.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Once you've gotten to know someone, trust them, you're going to be more open. But then also, as you said, just being in person, people are probably just more likely to tell you about something that maybe it seems like not that big of a deal, but (laughs) yeah, it could be in the long run.
1: Yeah. You know, those nuisances that, you know, you might be able to solve in 30 seconds for them. Or you see that they're doing something in a lot of applications. There's three different ways to do something. Right. And they might be going what we perceive as a long way where, you know, hey, you can you can do that quicker by just doing this. You know, instead of five clicks is two clicks. And I think some of that's part of it, too, is watching their workflow and giving them tips to improve the efficiency of the workflow.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then helping IT just get a better understanding, too. Nothing's going to help more than seeing it in person.
1: Yeah, it helps It helps us understand what they're doing, their their work, right? And yeah. uh, it gives us a better appreciation for what they're going through on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you've been with the organization for about five years or so?
1: Yeah, a little over five years. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then just from looking at your LinkedIn, I saw that you had some roles outside of healthcare too. And I, I imagine that that probably gives you an interesting perspective.
1: Yeah, you know, a good thing is IT kind of travels from industry to industry, but, you know, obviously it will we'll talk about healthcare being different. But started in banking with Citibank, Citicorp right out of college. Um, I was a computer science major and, as an undergrad. And so I was doing programming and writing first mortgage loan origination systems on PCs and Novell Network back in 85. when PCs and Novell Network pretty young, so kind of, you know, started in the programming route, went back to national manufacturing, kind of where I, in the area I grew up in. I had done an internship with them between my junior and senior year of college, Um, and so when they had somebody retire and they came down to St. Louis, recruited me to come back, and so that brought me into the manufacturing world and uh, worked with them for 11 and a half years or so, um, mostly in a programming role and then project management type role. Uh, I was fortunate enough to go back to school at the University of Chicago and get my MBA uh, during my tenure there at National. And then um, doing a lot of volunteer work in the community. Um, I knew the hospital CEO and uh, we were at a meeting one night, a volunteer meeting, and he told me they were going to be posting for a CIO position the first time they had a CIO at the hospital at, at CGH. And uh, he said they'd be out, going to put in the paper in the next week. So I applied and he hired me to be the first CIO at CGH Medical Center and was there for, you know, 16 and a half years, the uh, whole time he was CEO and then he retired and then I made the switch to go back to manufacturing again for Wall Clipper Corporation, uh, make hair hair clippers and beard trimmers. Uh, they're a global company, so I was their global CIO and had some great experiences there We built a new plant in Vietnam. And so, uh, you know, got to go to Vietnam and put all the IT in that new plant there and you know, got to go to China and help with the IT there in Germany and, you know, some of the other places where we had plants. Oh, and, that's great. Yeah. So it was a great experience. And uh, yeah. KSB then made the decision to buy, they were on Siemens. They had been on Siemens since 2013. CERN had bought Siemens. They were looking to make a change. And um, they committed to CERN Millennium Community Works at the end of 2017. Um, I'm chairman of the board for uh, Throwing Federal Bank. And the CEO here is vice chair, and also he was a vice president here when I was vice president at CGH. So whenever we went to hospital events, we always did stuff together. So we'd known each other a long time, and he convinced me to come back and implement Cerner Millennium, which I had implemented at CGH in two thousand one. So um, okay, he convinced me to come back to healthcare, and you know the great thing about working for your your community hospital is every day you go to work, you feel like you're doing something great for your community and we serve our family, neighbors, our friends. That's who we serve in our as a community hospital. And so every day you feel like you're going to do something great for your community. And,
0: you know, so it's just a
1: different innate feeling. You know, Wall is a great corporation and they're very benevolent in our community. And I actually coach high school basketball at the Catholic high school. They're very uh, supportive of our Catholic high school. And, you know, it's a great company too. Um, it was a hard decision, but, uh, you know, you just go with what the gut tells you. And, and right now, you know, uh, back to healthcare and and having that good innate feeling that every day you're doing something great for your community is just a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah. I'm sure we could do a whole different segment on the difference between doing an EMR in 2001 and 2019, (laughs) but I'm sure that that was pretty interesting, but you did have that background. So I'm sure that that did help.
1: Yeah, you bet. And and the connections, you know, I've known people yeah. at Cerner for over twenty years. And uh so I have really good relationships with Cerner and, and people in leadership there. And that that helps too, right? Just to to be able to pick up the phone and call the different levels that might be needed to escalate something if, if appropriate.
0: Yeah. Okay. So it definitely seems like it was it was the right career move to yeah. come
1: back. You know, you never never know what would have been the other way, but you gotta live looking through the windshield, not the rear view mirror. So
0: yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Did you have any hesitancy just because, you know, health systems, all of that had changed significantly in a few years?
1: Yeah, you know, so I, got, I was out of it for like five years and I maintained my ACHE uh, my fellowship and tried to stay current a little bit in healthcare. but but uh, you just never know where your career is going to go. And, you know, yeah, there was some big changes, but and a lot of times, you know, some of the things that we were doing at Wall, um, going from changing ERP systems instead of EHR systems, right? But, you know, Microsoft 365, as example, instead of having Microsoft on the clients being cloud-based, you know, and, and stuff like that, or Cisco phone system. And, you know, some of that same things that you would do from a foundation IT stuff is the same you know, yeah. you have an ERP system for in the manufacturing world, and an EHR system in the uh, healthcare world. So all our big projects that need the whole organization, they're not IT projects, right? You got to have commitment from the organization, and you got to have people working on the project from every area of the organization to make it successful. And and uh, you know, I was happy that our CEO Dave Schreiner committed the resources to to make it a successful implementation
0: and from the time you came in there was enough time for you to really get to know the organization get to know the people and you know then kind of uh, move forward with this big change
1: yeah i think you know um they brought me in and uh you know i'm sure people are like okay you know some of them knew me just from the community standpoint i've been in the community a long time and I it's like coaching high school basketball and different things like that and working at the hospital down the road 15 miles down the road so a lot of people knew me but uh you know, I think you know, just coming in and, and making sure they knew that it wasn't I wasn't gonna be the reason it was successful, it was gonna be, you know, all the resources that we put together from the organization and made that work. That's what was gonna make us successful. And so yeah, I uh, started July 1st and our you know, we kicked off the project right then and uh that was, was right away that was the main focus for me for that first you know year and a half was uh, the implementation center. And then then after that I started to uh you know take on the other departments. Um, from a leadership
0: perspective. Okay, you did have to jump right in.
1: Yeah, it was right in. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Well, maybe in some ways that that's advantageous because you know everyone knows already. So. Yeah. Okay. The, the last thing I would just ask is, um, what advice would you give to someone who's either a first-time CIO or maybe you know stepping back in after a while? Just any advice for you know how to negotiate what can be maybe a tricky uh, adjustment.
1: Yeah, you know, so first of all, what I think um, one of the manufacturing and healthcare is in manufacturing, you go to a conference, you don't share any information with anybody because it's you're so competitive and, you know, you're competing with everybody. In healthcare, you can go to a conference and the other CIOs are so collaborative. Organizations in general are just more collaborative because you don't necessarily compete with them. You know, so right away um, in 97, I joined Chime. You know, so here's a conference. It's just all healthcare CIOs and go there and, and you could ask anything and they would tell you that yeah, this works or this doesn't work. And I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, for healthcare CIOs, it's just to develop relationships with other CIOs from non-competing hospitals because you can ask them anything. And, um, you know, I developed some great relationships through Chime and with other CIOs. And, you know, I just felt like all the time you could reach out, ask them a question. And they would help guide you, and uh, you know I really appreciated that and their their mentorship and le- leadership to help me grow as a CIO in healthcare. And so I think you know Chime, um, Hims, uh, ACHe, you know all those different professional organizations are really important to belong to and to get up to speed on healthcare and and how you can you know help your your organization.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's such a good point. It's kind of funny now to picture uh, asking somebody a Chime, what EHR they're on. There, like, no, I can't tell you that.
1: I mean, as a, as an example, you know, Citrix was kind of a new thing. You know, when Citrix first came out or VM first came out, right? Those things are when they're first coming out. Like you're saying, okay, who's implementing this? You know, is it working? Is it not? Right? Because you know, as a small organization, you can't afford to make those blunders very often. So, you know, you you are kind of looking around, saying, okay, who has done this? And, you know, once you develop a relationship with some people that were maybe ahead of you in some of the technology endpoints, it was great. You could reach out and they'd say, yeah, you know, this has been great. Or, "Yeah, that it hasn't worked as, as sold, you know, or as advertised. And maybe look into something else or something. So it's really been beneficial. Yeah. You know, try to get the CHIME and hymns and ACHE every year. Those are my three staples. Cerner Health Conference, obviously, Oracle Cerner Health Conference. Those are yeah, the main nice. educational things that I try to hit on a yearly basis. And then after that, it's, you know, there might be Illinois um, Hospital Association, AHA type things.
0: Okay. All right. Well, hopefully, maybe I'll see you at uh, at an event some point in the future, but uh, it was really nice to meet you um, and get to talk to you.
1: It was great to meet you, Kate, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.